Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today on How They Love Mary, I am delighted to be speaking with Kelly Guest. I happened to find her uh, the other day on CatholicMom.com, where she wrote two articles about the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Rosary. And since we are in the month of October, the month of the Holy Rosary, I thought it would be great to unpack those articles with her. Kelly was a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia in Nashville, an education coordinator for Catholic Charities Program for Pregnant Teens, a middle school teacher, a director of religious ed, and is now a youth minister. But her most rewarding and challenging call is to be a wife and the mother of her children. And she shares all that she learned through this blog at CatholicMom.com. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Kelly. Thank you, Father. Thank you for having me. And you've actually been following me for a little bit, I saw on the Twitter. And your handle is at Nun29. So <laughs> N-U-N number two, nine. N-I-N-E. And of course, as we heard in that bio, you were a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia in the temporary vow process. And then you left the convents, you found your husband, you married, and now you have nine children that you're living with and raising. That is, yes, that is correct, Father. Very blessed I am. And at what what age did you enter the convent and and what was that discernment like for you, going to the convent and then maybe even that discernment saying, I don't know if this is where God is calling me and responding to that call with an act of faith and trust? Okay, well, um, probably my junior year, I started looking not only in the colleges, but convents and did not find a fit for me. So I went to community college for two years, but at the end of those two years, the National Dominicans took over our school in my hometown. And I fell in love, them, in love with them immediately. They wore the long flowing white habit, the long black veil. They eluded a joy and uh, a love about them. So I went to visit the mother house. I entered when I was 20, um, had a passionate year, a novice year, made temporary vows for three years after that. Um, the whole time in the convent, because I am very close to my family, I was sick, homesick. Um, and I ended up taking the name Sister Ann Joachim because I prayed off into St. Anne and St. Joachim while um, experiencing that homesickness. But I loved every day that I spent in the convent, and I learned so much from the sisters. But uh, the last year there, I really started uh, experiencing a desire to get married. I felt strongly that it was Satan tempting me to leave because I did love being a sister. Uh, I approached Mother about these temptations, and she assured me that I was living my vows faithfully and encouraged me to continue to do so and to continue to pray and to come back in a year because indeed God had given me the grace to fulfill those vows of three years that I made to him. So she knew that at least for the next year, it was his will that I stay. So I continue to teach as a religious sister and I, uh, at the end of the year, approached her again saying those temptations hadn't gone away and I remember crying in her office because I wanted to stay and I just wanted God to take away those temptations um, and she said it's, it's not Satan tempting you it's God letting you know it's time to go home and so I, I went home and a couple weeks later I actually met my future husband we did not get married for another three years because I told God when I left the convent I am not going to marry the first guy I met and basically I 
married the first guy I met outside the convent. And, uh, and then, uh, we, uh, yes, we, we eventually married and now we have nine children plus one more that's, um, in heaven watching over all of us. Well, thanks so much for sharing Mm -hmm. about that. And, you know, it is a difficult decision. I, I can only imagine to make that decision, but to leave the convent, you loved being a nun, but you also realized that that maybe there was another calling, and so you said yes to that. And and now uh, with your nine children, and you write for CatholicMom.com, and so that's who you are. You are a Catholic mom, and you want to share your faith and your experience of life with others. And uh, how did you become a writer for Catholic Mom? Well, in all honesty, I had been encouraged by family members and friends to write a book about my experiences in the convent and as a mom of nine. And so I, w- I, I started that process. I was take, um, sending my book out to publishers. And one of the things that I would get in my many rejection letters was you needed to develop a platform. And I really did not know what that meant. So I remember emailing both Lisa Hendy, the founder of CatholicMom.com, and Kimberly Hine, letting them know of my desire to be a published author and asking, what does it mean to develop your platform? Lisa Hendy did uh, respond to me, and she was explaining that means like an audience, a following. So she suggested social media and also invited me to write for CatholicMom.com, which I was happy to take her up on her generous offer. And has that book yet seen the publication? (laughs) So, um, no. And But I do have a book coming out next October that will be published by Our Sunday Visitor. And um, it's really the book that I've always wanted to write. Uh, it's called um, A Mother's Devotion, Praying with 25 Women Who Are Saints. I always called it Mommy Saints. And it is a, a c- compilation of saints who are mothers. Uh, when I was in the convent, I loved reading biographies of the saints. When I came home and became a mom... Uh, I, I found myself searching for mom saints so that they could encourage me in my vocation as a mother. And I would take notes and say, one day I'm going to write this book. You know, I'm going to write a book with all mom saints for someone like me who just needs encouragement. And, and eventually uh, that was the book that was chosen to be published. So I'm excited that it'll be coming out about this time next year. Well, that's great. And maybe I'll have you back on How They Love Mary to share about those mom saints, because I'm sure those mom saints had a devotion of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and there's something that they can teach us as well. So, well, that's great. And looking at these articles that you wrote on CatholicMom.com, the, the, first, the first one, you talk a little bit about your experience of being a religious sister and what praying the rosary in the convent, uh, how that taught you many different lessons about the rosary. And you know, it's interesting to think about that because, of course, you joined the Dominicans, and the Dominicans are known for being the promoters of the rosary, having a strong devotion to the rosary, believing that the rosary was given to them by Saint, by the Blessed Virgin to Saint Dominic. And what's some of the things that the Dominicans taught you about praying the rosary? Well, the first thing I learned being a sister in the convent is that um, just because you're wearing a habit doesn't mean all of a sudden your rosaries are going to be holy prayers that just rise up glorious to heaven. Um, I'm still very human, even in my habit. And so I was frustrated in the beginning that I am, I, I was distracted in my prayer. Uh, when, when I was a postulant, my first year in a convent, we were still attending school to become teachers. And I found myself thinking about the homework I had to do and all the work that I had to get done. And I remember sharing that with my novice mistress, Sister Mary Angela. And she simply said, 
when you realize you're doing that, give that to God. Let him have your concerns and then refocus back on the mystery. So don't let that be a, a distraction or a discouragement, but yet, but uh, let that become a part of your prayer. So that was the first thing I learned. And then I suppose that in learning how to actually meditate on the rosary, I, I learned that you have to know your scriptures. The rosary is very much a scriptural prayer. And by knowing the stories that go behind the mysteries made it easier for me to meditate on the mysteries. So a lot of times I was able to place myself in the mystery um, or knowing the words that are in scripture, I was able to focus on just a word or two from that mystery and, and just concentrate on that and pray over that or imagine being there. So those are some of the techniques and some of the ways I learned how to pray the rosary when I was in the convent. So the title of your article on Catholic mm -hmm. Mom was Persevering and Praying the Rosary, and that's what you realize, that as a Dominican sister, you had to persevere. You didn't give up on the rosary. I think that's something that people might do. You talked about temptations earlier, and the temptation when we pray the rosary might be like, I'm not getting anything out of this. I don't understand it. I'm just going to give up. And, and so... You're, you're saying persevere, don't give up, do it, learn new methods, keep trying. And that's exactly uh, what you recommend uh, in your article. And one of the things I really liked is you talked about placing yourself at each of the mystery scenes. So just as you mentioned how the rosary is scriptural, how you need to know the rosary and the scriptures in order to pray it. Well, then, as you know those scriptures, then you begin to ask questions in your own mind as you pray the rosary beads, or they give you something to think about um, as you pray the mysteries of the rosary. That's exactly right. I, I, I guess I'm naturally curious anyway, and I can't wait to get to heaven to ask all these probably very insignificant questions in the light of things. But I always wondered, you know, at the assumption— did the apostles witness Mary being assumed into heaven or did they um, place her in the tomb like they did um, Jesus and then go back and realize that the tomb was empty again? I know there's a tradition that's told how St. Thomas kind of missed out on yep. uh, the death of the Blessed Mother. But when he got there, he was able to go see where she was laid to rest. And she wasn't there. The body wasn't there. So, uh, um, so I eventually got kind of the answer to that question if that uh, uh, traditional story is true so but I do find myself often asking questions when I am meditating on the mysteries wondering what was it really like so so the rosary, that's another wonderful technique the rosary is comprised of 15 decades in the traditional form 20 decades with the addition of Pope St. John Paul II's uh, five mysteries of light if you had to pick one mystery of the rosary which mystery of the rosary would you pick to pray I, I suppose my favorite would be because maybe because I haven't been praying them as long would be the luminous mystery, specifically the second luminous mystery, and that is the wedding feast at Cana. Sure. I guess uh, it. I mean, Blessed Mother plays a prominent role in telling us do whatever He tells you, and then the courage of the the waiters in approaching the head waiter and giving him water from the foot jar <laughs> to drink and then th knowing that you know we can just take our 
our ordinary selves to our Lord, and he'll do something extraordinary with that, just like he did with the water, turning it into the best wine that he has ever tasted. So uh, there's so much in there that I that I, I find that mystery easy to meditate, meditate upon. Well, that's great. And as you mentioned that, you mentioned the wedding feast at Cana. And as a priest confessor, when I hear confessions, uh, and I, you know, I hear confessions at Marian apparition sites. I've I've been an auxiliary oh. confession in Lourdes, France. I'm I'm a regular confessor at the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in Champion, Wisconsin, where Mary appeared in 1859. And one of the things when someone comes to confession, if they say, you know, I'm really struggling with my husband, I'm really struggling with my wife, whatever it is. Usually in that situation, I'll give as the penance, I'll say, what I want you to do is I want you to meditate on the second luminous mystery to pray the wedding feast at Cana because Mary notices the need of the wedding couple before they even realize it themselves. <laughs> what I want you to do is I just want you to ask Mary to notice whatever the needs are in your marriage right now and to bring them to Jesus, to bring her concern to her son so that he can act and he can do something. So um, that's one that I turn to a lot, especially um, for married couples and, you know, you being a mom and being a wife, that's one that you also turn to. That is beautiful, Father. That's another thing that I'll meditate upon next time I pray that mystery. You know, um, we're talking a little bit about rosary tips, and actually when we do your Marian profile, that's one of the questions. Do you have a tip to pray the rosary better? And one of the tips that I often give to people is to, to pray the rosary and to maybe attach an intention to each of the mysteries. So sometimes when I pray like the joyful mysteries, if I'm praying the Annunciation, well, I'll pray for expectant mothers, for those who just found out that they're pregnant, you know, um, for them, for the visitation. I'll, I'll pray for couples that struggle with fertility because you look at Elizabeth and she was an aged woman, you know. Uh, for the yes. nativity, I'll pray for newborns and for parents bringing children to birth in the next day or so, and for the presentation, for the children I've baptized as a priest. So I uh, think that we can look at the different mysteries of the rosary and really find avenues and ways in which we can pray for other people. You know, Father, I think that attracts my children very much because that's exactly what I do with them when I pray the rosary with them. Um, is is give them each the opportunity to lead the rosary. And when they lead it, um, before they say the Our Father, they get to choose the intention that we'll pray that decade for. And I, I think that engages them and uh, makes them excited. They, they know what they want to pray for, so they match it up with the ros the mystery of the rosary. So um, that that's an excellent uh, tip right there because my, my children enjoy very much being able to decide what the decade is going to be prayed for. You have a rosary story, and that rosary story relates to your Aunt Dolores, who is your godmother, and she helped yes. you to understand the rosary in a certain way. And could you maybe just share a little bit about the rosary and your godmother and what she taught you? Okay. My, my Aunt Dolores was a beautiful woman, and she... Unfortunately, her marriage did not work out, and of my uh, six aunts and uncles on my dad's side, she was the only one who was divorced and sometimes felt like a black sheep. She unfortunately ended up um, leaving the church and, and did not attend Mass um, for a long time. And even in that period of her life, 
she still would go up to the grotto of Our Lady of Lords in Edmundsburg, Maryland. I don't live far from there. And she still had a close relationship with Our Lady. And she still prayed the rosary, even if she wasn't going to Mass. My, my aunt battled uh, breast cancer the first time and conquered it. The second time she got diagnosed, her children were all grown and settled in life. And I think she just felt she was done. She, she didn't want to fight anymore. And so she was put in hospice care. And uh, my mom was saying to me when I went to visit her how she was very agitated. So we went in and we started praying the rosary and she calmed. She, she, peace came to her. And so I decided at that moment I was going to come every day to hospice and to her room and pray with her. The rosary and I asked her if she wanted me to do that and she could not talk at this time but she did not so every evening after dinner after feeding my kids I went up to visit my aunt and um and I prayed the rosary with her and and I was able to do that until the day our lord called her home but uh, my my cousins who because my aunt had left the church were not practicing catholics sometimes were there and they also would stand and pray with us, and I, I, it's just a memory that I always hold dear. And I, I really hope that God uh, applied every grace possible to her um, so that she couldn't be in heaven with him now. But I still pray just in case she's still in purgatory. But I, I know that that time of prayer with her gave her a lot of peace and gave her the graces she needed to die a happy death. And that's beautiful. So your godmother taught you so much uh, in your own life, these different lessons that you took away that you wrote about on catholicmom.com. And what I think is, is that as the story is called My Rosary Story, Lessons from My Godmother, is that I'm sure that all of us have some sort of rosary story. And I would just invite the listener to think about that. Like, what is my rosary story? who is someone that has made a significant impact on how I pray the rosary? Or is there a special rosary that I have? Or what's my first memory of the rosary? It's the month of the rosary. A lot of the How They Love Mary podcasts have been about the rosary this month. And that's really just because I've wanted us to renew that focus because I think we need that prayer of the rosary, especially right now in the times in which we live. I agree, Father. I agree wholeheartedly. And I find the rosary being one of my um, go-to prayers when I feel like I can't pray. Even if I can't meditate, I just love being able to say Jesus and Mary over and over again. It kind of brings a peace. Uh, sometimes it helps me to fall asleep when I have a lot on my mind. Uh, I, I do think the world can benefit from developing a greater devotion to the rosary that is for sure and i tweeted about this on saturday i had a tweet and the tweet said this that um i i was speaking with a friend of mine like one of my very best friends and that individual had a relative that ended up in the hospital in the icu because of covid and and so once that person got the news about their family situation and circumstance that person sent a text to all of the people uh, in the family chain, like on the family group text and said, Hey, I think we all should unite in prayer at one o'clock and we should pray the rosary for uncle or aunt or whoever it was. And to pr just be in unison, to unite our minds and our hearts, to think of him, to pray for him, uh, in that moment. And, and that's what I think happens is that, and I'm pretty sure I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that the person that organized it 
probably doesn't pray the rosary every day. I'm just guessing, um, but maybe they do. But if they don't, that was the first thing they thought about. That was the first thing they said. I want to pray the rosary and I want others to pray the rosary too. And that was the go-to prayer. And maybe because it was, well, now maybe the rosary is being prayed every day. Maybe that was the catalyst. Uh, but the rosary is a go-to prayer. I know that when I've heard stories from people about like, you have to pray for so-and-so. Well, then what do I do? I, I go and I pray the rosary for them because I think that's a great way that we can truly pray and intercede for other people. I agree. Well, very good. So I am very excited about your writings on CatholicMom.com. I hope that people will check out CatholicMom.com. Not only do they feature your writings, they feature the writings of so many others. They have a daily gospel reflection. I, I write four of them a year for them, and I think you might as well. And so many I other... Do. Yeah, so many other voices of Catholicism are writing these daily gospel reflections for CatholicMom.com. A lot of great content, especially for the moms out there who are looking for some spiritual nourishment and inspiration. And so thank you for sharing these uh, stories about persevering in prayer with the rosary and the story of your godmother and the rosary. Before I let you go, one of the things I like to do with all the guests is to build what I call the Marian Profile. Just a series of rapid-fire Marian questions that help us to know how it is that you love Mary and that that can maybe inspire others as well. So the very first question is your oh, good. favorite title for the Blessed Mother. Seat of Wisdom. Okay. When I was a sister, I had it above the chalkboard. Our Lady Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. Ah, how about a favorite Marian sacramental, one that you might wear or one that you might carry with you? It's my rosary, the rosary that I wore as a sister, Dominican sister. I still have it. Okay. And there are a lot of different Marian prayers out there, some traditional ones, others written by the saints. Is there a Marian prayer that you're fond of? I pray the memorari every day for all the intentions and all the people I told that I would pray for them. So I always pray to Our Lady through the memorari. That's great. And, you know, the memorari is really a good go-to prayer. It's a, a nice yes, prayer that, you know, you hear something online, you see it on Twitter, and you say, I'm going to pray for you. Well, maybe pray the memorari, pray the Hail Mary. It's a, it's a good, uh, good go-to prayer. Yes. On this episode, you have offered us some rosary tips, things that you learned from your life as a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia. Is there any other advice about the rosary you'd like to give? How that can help people pray it better. I, I would say just uh, like I was saying, persevere. Keep praying it. Keep asking Our Lady to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray the rosary well. Uh, he overshadowed Mary. He has so much that he wants to share with you um, so that you can ponder these things like Our Lady did in her heart. So just maybe before praying the rosary, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you through it. And he'll, he will bless you with some insights that you didn't even know. Um, yeah, you, you didn't even know we're there, you know, I mean, like he just inspires them in you. So uh, um, that would probably be the last tip I could give is ask the Holy Spirit before you actually engage in the prayer to help you. Sure. Now, in the sacred scriptures, there are many different references to the Blessed Mother, both in the Old and the New Testament. Is there any Marian scripture passage that speaks to you? that uh, you really have taken to heart? Well, going back to, like I said, with the Luminous Mystery, um, do whatever he tells you. For sure. And uh, how about a favorite Marian apparition? Um, I, I, 
I love the story of Fatima and Lourdes, but I guess because it's so close, I would really love to go to Our Lady, um, go to Guadalupe and see the Toma at Our Lady of Guadalupe near Mexico City. Oh, sure. And there are lots of different Marian shrines throughout the world. Some of them are apparition mm-hmm. sites. Others are just to titles of Mary. Is there a Marian shrine that you have visited that left an impression on you or one that you hope to visit soon? Well, I, I'm not far from Emmitsburg, Maryland, where there's the National Shrine to Our Lady of, um, Our Lady of Lords here. So that is where my godmother would always go. Uh, there's something holy about that mountain, knowing that um, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton were there, and many other holy men and women, included, including Blessed Stanley Werther, who was just beatified. And, and I just feel uh, the holiness on that mountain and, and get inspired every time I go, and, and a sense of peace overcomes me. So I imagine that's probably true of any Marian site, and I, I would love to go and and visit any of them that I could. But first, Our Lady is going to have to help my husband become Catholic before um, we can go and visit some of those Marian shrines, which I'm confident that she can and will do one day. How about a Marian book recommendation? Oh, let's see. I mean, besides Total Consecration by Louis de Montfort, um, I would, I can't, but Father, you're catching me off guard. Let's see. Everybody um, says that with this question. I know. Um, I just read about Our Lady of Fatima, and I cannot remember the author, but she um, was very close friends with Mother Teresa. Oh, my goodness, it's escaping me. Donna Cooper. Yes, thank you. She did one on Our Lady of Fatima, Donna did, and it's a great book. Great. And how about. Uh, when you go to a mass on a Marian feast day, is there a Marian song that you hope that the choir will sing? <gasps> yes, and it's so simple. And everybody's like, really? I love Sing of Mary. Yeah. I teach it to my kids. We sing it to start our homeschool day. Sing of Mary. That's, That's great. mine. Wonderful. <laughs> well, great. That's your Marian profile. And, you know, if people want to learn more about you, how can they do so? Well, catholicmom.com, you can just search for my name. And uh, soon enough, I will have my own website, probably none to nine. That seems to be something that people uh, can remember. So uh, it's not up and running yet, but it should be before the new year. So, But right now, you can check me out at catholicmom.com. And that's great. And, you know, help help Kelly build her following, her platform, as some of those uh, publishers indicated to you, by following her on Twitter at none to the number two nine and so you can see what she tweets out by doing that as well so thank you so much for joining me today and being a guest on how they love mary no i appreciate so much you asking me to join you father god bless you and your ministry well great and same to you and keep on writing these great articles about mary and the saints and our catholic faith <music> 